we believe in partner first and really ensuring that we're addressing the needs of, of not only the organizations that we work with, you know, help them modernize, but the, the partner ecosystem out there, we, we play a huge role in working with them as well. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Kara Hayward, with hashtag fintech karaoke, focused on uh, a mini series around partnerships in the fintech ecosystem space, trying to keep it light and fun. We have with us today, Joanna Bug uh, from Mambu, and she is the GM of North America. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kara. Super excited to be here too. Fantastic. Um, so what we'd like to focus on today is, is, is Mambu and their journey into North America. And what I'd love to start with, Joanna, is if you could maybe give a quick bio and background on you as well as the company and your role there. Yeah, no, perfect. Yeah, so I'm a fintech gal. I, uh, straight out of university, started uh, working for a little company called the U.S. Robotics, and we were throwing out modems way back in the day, so I'm telling my age a little bit there, but um, but I fell in love with fintech um, in, an, uh, in grad school when I was uh, doing an internship with those guys at U.S. Robotics, and I have never looked back. I've always been in fintech, and working from small companies uh, to, to relatively large companies, international, mostly in the North American market, but uh, recently in the past 10 years, uh, a lot of international experience as well. And super excited um, to be back in the North American market and um, paving the way for, uh, for modernization um, in, in fintech. So, Fantastic. That's awesome. And, and we're excited that you're, you're in this space and really paving that way of innovation in North America. So um, maybe you could actually start with Mambu's journey into North America. So, um, you know, Mambu, maybe, and quickly, if you could talk about what Mambu is and, and what you guys are trying to solve, but also talking about the fact that you have been a successful fintech in Europe and you're making that kind of break into North America. So I'd love to maybe hear about that journey. You know, why are you guys deciding to do that? Why now? And, and talk about the, the landscape a little bit around that. Yeah, no, perfect. Um, when you think about Mambu and you think about the name, you're like, where in the world did you guys come up with that name? But it actually means bamboo um, uh, in uh, Malaysia, uh, in Malay. But um, what, what the, the whole strategy for Mambu is all about has always been to help proliferate and modernize the banking sector in, in the, across the world, right? To, to be able to provide for the underbank, to be able to digitize and go after new markets if we needed to, to, to take a look at different ways that, um, that we can innovate um, within the banking sector and really uh, help drive it, not for just us, but our children and our children's children, you know, and how they want to uh, adopt and, and, and bank, if you will, um, from payments to loans to deposits, et cetera. So that's, that's really our cause and that's what we're all about. We started off in 2007. And the founders uh, came up with this brand new technology and a way of presenting it that made a made for a very modern uh, component uh, componentized core banking platform. And we really took off from there across, um, as you said, uh, Europe and uh, Eastern Europe and 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 the European nations over there, and uh, hit the ground running. And it was really um, kind of advantageous with the event advent of the open banking sectors that that uh, and the that uh, PSD2 and those guys kind of um, infiltrated in, in Europe because they needed something that was a lot more agile, a lot more extensible. 
uh, in the banking organizations really needed a, a bit of a kind of a technology change there. Because it is uh, 100% native cloud-based and written in the cloud, all of the APIs are extensible. And so it made it real easy for organizations to be able to, to, to adopt quickly um, the open banking processes. From there, we proliferated um, into the Asia-Pacific region um, quite extensively and Middle East as well and are continuing to scale our growth in both of those areas. But we have organizations across all of Asia Pacific, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, we have a huge office there. And um, from there, we, we actually, about three uh, years ago, um, really made a huge push towards Latin America as well. And we've got hundreds of clients across all those different regions. And, you know, as you can imagine, the last hook left is, is North America. And, and uh, you know, are the North American banks ready for it? Are, is North American, you know, are the fintech lenders ready for it? What do they need? You know, what, what's there? And um, it, it kind of came to us that, you know, it, it is time. Um, and, and a lot of organizations are looking to adopt new technology, either, you know, replacing what they have today, or even more importantly, if they can't, you know, building a bank or building a marketplace that allows them to, to build it based on their customers' needs and not necessarily with the technology you grappled with. So, so that's kind of uh, Mambu's kind of sector and how we got to where we are. And uh, I'm super excited joining right before COVID to, to, to I know it's a kind of a tumultuous time to join, but joining right before COVID, really trying to figure out how, you know, we can best equip the North American market. And we, we've gotten a lot of traction. We have uh, quite a few customers. We have about 15 customers in North America already. We have, um, you know, multiply that times several uh, down in Latin America. And we have a huge masthead of, of organizations that are that are really interested in modernizing um, their their technology, and and so it made perfect sense for us to come in and, and really uh, launch, uh, relaunch, if you will. We did a soft launch about a year ago. That's where we got those first sets of customers, but really do a um, a launch that's really targeted towards the needs of the organizations. And if we're not a good fit for a partner, then we're not a good fit. But we believe in partner first, and really ensuring that we're addressing the needs of, of not only the organizations that we work with, you know, help them modernize, but the, the partner ecosystem out there, we, we play a huge role in working with them as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So you mentioned sort of the, the, the last cook, right, with North America. I think um, a, lot of, a, a lot of folks can resonate well with that, especially uh, a lot of fintechs, including us at Currency Cloud, um, you know, kind of last expanding into North America. Can you talk about why that was the last frontier and maybe some of the struggles that you've, uh, that you've maybe run into in, in expanding here, but also the opportunities that you see as well? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, any European company saying they're going to come in and, and do something in banking in North America, everybody's like, huh, you're right, right? It's almost <laughs> like saying, uh, if you're not, if so I'm living in Texas, so I can say this. It's almost like saying, if you're not in Texas and you're not Texas-based, I don't want to do business with you. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that, but it's not so much anymore, you know? I mean, we've, we've kind of broken through all the different walls of, of you know, communication, especially after COVID. So um, there's a lot more um, kind of open arms extended to try and bring in the new technology. Um, there's still a skepticism, you know, hey, a European company, there's no way you can understand our, our banking market. I've been in the banking market here in North America for 20 some odd years. I've been at the other end of the fence um, at other companies where they just said, absolutely not, we're not gonna go into North America with this product, it's not fit for purpose, right? And, but, but they don't know, we don't know what we don't know, right? Um, what Mambo does know is we do understand banking and we really understand technology. Mm-hmm. And the team um, that we, we have um, in North America that we've put together 
is an outstanding team that really does understand banking with 20 some odd years of tenure, most of the, the guys that I'm bringing on board. Yeah. And so that, that's been a key, you know, just how, you know, you talk euros, we talk dollars, right? Um, but um, that, that's one been one little bit of a barrier, but, but not so much. I mean, there are other folks that are kind of paving that way as well. Um, you know, compliance is always a question. How are you going to maintain compliance? You know, you're European based. We have a compliance officer in North America that will not only ensure that you know, what we have today is compliant, but what we do tomorrow and the and the years forward will we'll, you know we'll, we'll keep that maintenance going. But because of the extensibility of the system, not a lot of the compliance has to be held um, within that core. Yeah. A lot of that compliance is just helping the organizations understand how the partners say currency cloud and how we connect and where the compliance is associated with that. So. Those, those types of challenges, it's just a matter of, of, of working with the organizations to help them figure that out. But that's, that's been the biggest kind of hurdle there. Um, the other hurdle is um, there's so many new fintechs and companies out there. How do you figure out which ones are good and bad and not, you know, that sort of thing. And so that's been a real um, kind of challenge. I'd like to say 60% of my time has been working with partners just to figure out, you know, where we have good fits, where we can do a better together story where, you know, you know, we can have a, a conglomeration of a marketplace. We do a lot with, um, with AWS and Microsoft and Google in conjunction with Currency Cloud and, and, and some of our other partners. So it's really, it's been very refreshing because we are 100% partner forward company. Um, yeah. There's no way we could do this without partners. So. That's fantastic. And that's actually a, a great segue into sort of my next conversation around partnership. And, and I think that Mamu has has done an unbelievable job of um, of building that partner ecosystem and marketplace. And so um, maybe um, if you could talk a little bit more about that that approach, right? And and why you chose to go partner first? Because I think sometimes that's the harder road, um, right? Because when you're working with so many different partners, doing so many different things with different cultures, different ways of going about doing business, like talk about why you decided to take that approach, and um, and perhaps. What is what like what makes a good partner, right? And and what makes a, a partner someone that really almost becomes an extension of your own company? Yeah. No, that's that's really good. So Mambu, and, and maybe it would help if I kind of tell a little bit of a story about how Mambu works, right? Yeah, that'd be great. Because it's a core banking system. But when you think of a core banking system, a lot of folks think, okay, well, it's got everything. It's got your tellers, it's got your set transactions, it's got, you know all the things you would need for a bank, because typically in North America, that's who you're buying from. You're yeah. buying a big box, right? Yeah. Um, whether it's the FIS's, Fiserv's, or, or, or Jack Henry's, and it's it's everything you would need. Well, the way Mambu works is we let you decide what you need. And so um, at, at having an ecosystem of partners that um, we've connected with and we've worked with helps us paint a story to those organizations. Okay, you don't have to just use this you know, payment program. You don't have to just use this, um, you know, you know, FX transaction component. You can choose whoever you like. It's very composable and component oriented. And uh, because we don't do, we don't, we don't, we don't do tellers. We, we're not a teller system. We're a core, right? We don't do the digital transform, the, the digital footprint, mobile apps, omni-channel experience, but we connect to that. Yeah. But you can choose whoever you like. And I'll tell you a little story. That, that kind of lends to that. I was um, speaking with a gentleman. I think he's uh, been on his, this is his fourth bank he started and has, has sold. And he's about to start his fifth bank. And he said, Joanna, he said, this is the first time in my history of, of creating banks that I, I really think I can create a bank designed for my customers, 
and not have to, to, to create a bank design based on the technology I have to use. Wow. And so that, that was just an eye opener for me. And, you know, when, when we got to talk and he said, you know, I, I really love this partner. I really like to do this. And, and I said, okay, well, let's build your, your ecosystem. And so for me, that's why partners like Currency Cloud are so important because um, they help paint the picture for the customer, right? And, and we, we take them on the journey together. And when you think about what makes a great partner, it's, you know, communications just like this, where we, we're working together on behalf of, of modernizing that, that one customer. And it's the success that we build together, we breed together that, you know, that, that we're looking for. It's all about the customer, right? And, you know, when we have open-minded, you know, partners and they believe all about the customer, not about the sale, then that's, that's what truly makes a good partner, you know, when we're like-minded. It also helps, you know, when we do trainings and um, when we share information with each other relative to market trends we're seeing, um, when we share information uh, relative to new technology that, that we're, you know, unveiling, um, those types of things and, and having those types of forums. And I know you and your team, we, we have one of those once a week, just about. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just making sure we're touching each, you know, each other's pulse points along the way. No. And um, I believe in, you know, healthy, um, you know, communications and cadence. Communicate, yep. communicate, communicate. You can't do any better than that. And yeah. um, partners are 100% um, our business, and yep. you know, in, in, in ensuring that that customer gets the success that they need. Yeah, absolutely. That, 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 that's great. And I think, yeah, you, you think you're maybe sometimes communicating too much. That doesn't exist, right? It doesn't not, exist with a partner. <laughs> and so... I know that one thing that that's kind of a, a big piece in North America is sort of this program manager like idea, mm-hmm. right? Where you control the entire area. And I think um, you've now explained why you've taken the approach of the more partnership marketplace route, right? Because it's all about what is best for the customer and how do we develop that sort of composable experience. But I think one thing that um, that makes it difficult to take that approach is sometimes the the technology actually right and um, and actually doing that many integrations. So maybe like I know that you guys are very API kind of op- you know open right, <laughs> um, and I think a lot of partners have taken that same approach. Um, like, could you maybe just quickly touch on when you think about new partners that you would work with? Like, are, are you really trying to? Um, g- gather partners in that space who, who are similarly structured around like open banking, API based, or are you working with like other partners that might not be there yet? But, um, and I imagine it probably ba- is based on the customer and what their needs are, but maybe you could just touch base on, on that and, and why um, maybe the open structure is a little bit easier or faster to market. <laughs> yeah, no, right. absolutely right. Yeah. So of course, you know, when we look uh, for our technology partners out there, we, we certainly look for like-mindedness and, and part of that like-mindedness is, you know, having an open architecture, API driven, API first, if you will. Um, it, it doesn't make it easier. It definitely makes it easier. And that's, that's, that's our number one, right? But um, if they're, and that's strategic, right? So that's our strategic direction, but you know, you always have, you know, the reactive, right? So a customer wants to work with this company, move.io and, and they don't have, you know, everything built, it's open source, you know, it's, it's in early days, early stages, right? And so for us, it's, it's helping that, that customer along the journey, right? So we're going to work with them uh, as they progress, right, in, in their, you know, extensibility. But, um, but yeah, so those, we, you know, the strategic nature of it, but you always have the reaction of, of what the customer needs and what their requirements are. And sometimes we, we've, we've, uh, we've got a couple of integration points with, with uh, folks we haven't officially partnered with them, but we integrated with them. We call them hostile, hostile integrations, right? Because 
<laughs> we're using technology to screen scrape and, and drop data in from this archaic technology out there. We don't like to do it, but yeah. we do it. Yeah. You know, sometimes, okay. sometimes that's the only way, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, but exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's great. And, and that's an interesting topic too, because I think one, one thing you mentioned earlier in your intro was talking about the landscape of Europe, right? And a lot of the directives that came from right re- from regulation, right? P- PSD2 mm-hmm. and some others. And I think that that's, hasn't happened here yet in North America, which mm-hmm. I think contributes to the struggle, but it also contributes to the opportunity. Like if you can break through that, you can, I mean, you can kind of do anything, but, um, and, and maybe talking about, I mean, you've, you've had a a long, you know, a long career, as you mentioned in working for large, big corporations that are that more well-established, some startups, some that are open, some that are more legacy, (laughs) you know, domestic, international. Um, I would love to maybe just hear your sort of your, your crystal ball analogy, right. Of what's, what you think might be happening in North America, um, do you have insight into, do you, do you think we'll ever create a regulatory structure that's a little bit more open and that kind of creates a, a little bit more synergy? Or do you think that it will be sort of a race to see who can kind of navigate this first and and and, and you'll start to see some consolidation in those fintechs? Because you mentioned there's so many out there. I would love to maybe just kind of hear your 10,000 foot view around that. Yeah, and my, my crystal ball um, for me um, is is based on you know like you said the experiences. So what I've seen happen in Europe, and 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 then the the pluses and then the declines, right? So yeah. you've seen a little bit of that expansion and then retraction. But what you've also seen in Asia Pacific as well, um, there's a there are tremendous you know opportunities for organizations and Latin America to be able to create what that regulatory structure needs to look like, and they're mm-hmm. doing it. They're disrupting it not only from a fintech perspective, but they're disrupting the way they do banking in general, right? They're, they're knocking down laws and they're creating laws that are best for the consumers and the, the business owners. I, I, I'm on a call um, almost weekly with the regulators working through, you know, what their, their, their opinion is on cryptocurrency, their opinion is on, you know, um, you know, the fintech organizations, the, you know, AWSs and, and, and Amazons and others, you know, hopping Google, hopping into banking. And um, I do think you're, we're starting to see a shift in, in the, um, not, not only just open banking, um, and the reason, by the way, open banking is, is such a big to-do in, in Europe and some of those countries over there is they don't have the infrastructure we have in North America from a data-driven uh, perspective. So they don't have all the data necessary for Equifax to you experience that we have at our fingertips here, the LexisNexis information. They don't have that, right? And so for them, um, you're doing a check. A credit check is is like going to the neighborhood corner and, and seeing if he's paid his bill at the at the local grocery store, right? Yeah. If that's even possible. And so, how do you, um, you know, in in that in in so that open banking sector is is a patchwork, but it's almost a leapfrog over what we've had here in North America because what it does is it really gives the customer power, right? Whereas here. The banks have the power, right? And, and, and the credit unions hold the data yep. that the banks use. And so it, uh, it's a different dynamic. Um, I don't know that, the, that North America will ever you know, really accelerate that, but I think that aspects of that will come into fruition in the regulatory infrastructure we have here in North America. I really do, I do think that we'll, we'll, have, we'll see some changes. Yeah. Um, I also think you're going to see a tremendous consolidation uh, across not only the fintechs, but um, some of the banking sectors. Um, I think you're going to see um, some of the larger t- 
technology companies come to play more, even more so than Google today, mm-hmm. um, you know, in creating banking infrastructures. And I think you'll see that those organizations start to, uh, they'll start working with the regulators to yeah. lessen some of the restrictions that are there. I think some of the, the, the needles have changed a little bit there, but I think you'll see some of these large technology companies really starting to move the needle with the regulators. Yeah. Uh, and I think they'll be the forefront of making that happen. Um, just like we saw, you know, when Walmart started to, to do get into banking and that sort of stuff, I think you'll see, um, you know, similar type shift with, you know, the Amazons, the Googles, the Microsofts of the world. Yep. Um, and even IBM, IBM's doing a, a, a good bit of, um, you know, development in that, that particular arena as well. I spoke to them last week. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think that uh, a lot of the, the larger technology companies will definitely sway. I also think that the small um, companies that are popping up, you know, with cryptocurrency uh, transactions with, you know, e-wallets and, and um, you know, uh, standalone kind of small business tra- transactions. I think the PPP program with COVID has, um, has sent a skyrocket out across uh, all of North America that these small banks were able to get it done with the large ones couldn't. Yeah. And uh, so I think you'll see a lot of um, uptick and pick up in that particular arena you know, with on deck and, and, and those guys as well. So um so, yeah, so I think more to come in that particular area. And I think regulation will definitely change. I also think, and we haven't talked a lot about this, but I also think artificial intelligence is really going to come to play. Yeah. Saw a, a show the other day on artificial intelligence, and they had actually taken all of the um, victims from the war, and they were able to ask, interview them questions and be able to intellectually give an interview back um, before oh, they Oh, I think I saw that. It was on, was it, was it 60 Minutes? Minutes, yes. Oh my so, gosh, that was unbelievable. I couldn't believe I that. And so, yeah. I, I was the gal watching Jeopardy whenever, you know, Watson was, was the <laughs> first predilection of that. And so to me, I find it absolutely fascinating that we can take information and continually learn from it yeah. and be able to use that. I think that will be tremendously important. Um, you know, maybe not immediate because there's a lot of immediate things that are going on, but I think artificial intelligence will definitely play a huge role in, um, in the, the shift in the makeup of, of the banking, banking sector. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of it happen. We, we, I've worked with, um, several different, um, AI teams before, um, but I think that will help shape, you know, the banking sector as well. Financial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I could definitely see that. And I think, um, it will be interesting. I mean, even I think one great example is a firm, right? And I mean, we there's been plenty of people talk about them, right? But yeah. but the fact that they're almost able to predict what you want to buy and whether you're going to need it financed before you are on the website, right? And and but it's but it is amazing. And and they have they're they, the more that they can utilize that AI, the more that that experience is going to be customized. And I think you you did touch on um, I think SMBs, right? Some small and medium sized businesses. And I think that I think there's been a lot of change in the consumer space, but it seems as the next wave is that SMB space and, and a lot of companies out there trying to, to focus on that experience. And almost, it'll be interesting, and maybe I'd love your input on this because banking is, uh, and I, I know a lot of bankers might be mad at me for saying this, but it is somewhat commoditized, right? It's like the services are relatively the same servicing, you know, and, and yes, it was customized a bit community, big community. But I think now what we're starting to see is a lot of these, you know, whether they're traditional banks that are just adopting sort of a new strategy or these challenger banks focused on very, very specific segments. And um, I'm really curious because I feel like there's been this shift from like, you know, uh, you know, going from 
you know, commoditization with lots of different banking products to, you know, someone opening a, a wallet, right? Or one card for something specific. But then those companies that started that way are now are trying to go back to that more broad range of banking services, but usually still with that sort of core base. So I'm curious, do you think like, where do you think this might end up? Do you think it will become more customized where there's like, you know, banking as a service for specific like use cases, or do you think that like, we'll kind of keep having this shift of going from something more specific to the wider range of banking services back again? <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think is it's very interesting. I mean, I was back in the day before we even had data available for small businesses, right? So how do you do a loan to a restaurateur? Well, you don't because you have data on them, right? Yeah. You only know what they do from a consumer perspective. Yeah. Um, so I was back in the day working with, you know, RMA and those guys creating what's now, um, the Equifax and TU and Experian formalized, you know, kind of a small business scoring algorithm, but, um, you know, collecting the data, the data just wasn't there. And so that was the first foray, right? So how, what do we know about these guys, right? What do we want them to be on our books other than just a consumer? Cause they're not a huge, large corporate and they're not this. So how do we create something that's going to be a good experience for them? And, and so they struggled. A lot of organizations struggle with that. There are a lot of good ones that did that figured it out really quickly. And as that kind of evolution, and I'm talking 20 years back, right? So as that evolution has happened, you see pockets of people that have been overlooked because of the empirical algorithms that are there. So you see the female restaurateurs in a certain sector of, you know, New York yep. that underbanked, you know, they, they, they don't, they do everything on their phone and they're underbanked, right? Yep. Nobody is really helping them with insurance or with their P&Ls or any of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Cause they may not even have a business plan. It might just be a food truck that they're rocking down the road. Right. Yep. And so you find those folks who are looking for, I call them eagles in a haystack because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the folks that you, that need that need the services you could provide and they would be a loyal customer forever. Yeah. Um, you, you, so you, you start with what do you need now? And then as you grow that, that base, then they need other things, right? So they're going to need not just loans, they're going to need, you know, omni-channel apps, mobile apps that give them access to, to transfer funds, uh, integration with Square, integration with Raisin, Venmo, whatever, you know? And so, and so as your customers, you know, are proliferating, you as an organization need to pro- proliferate as well. And so I think that's why you see more standardized banking type things added to those type of companies. The challenge uh, is if they don't have a banking license, they got to get a banking license, and that's a two-year wait, right? If if you're a good if you're a good candidate, right? Yeah. So I, I think you're going to see um, maybe um, maybe a, a, an acceleration of of you know net new banking licenses, or you're going to see consolidation of banks that are going to you know bring that into their vest, and and those will be partners of theirs. And you've seen a lot of that in the market. Yeah, but I, I firmly believe that um, small business uh, small business enterprises. Uh, individual enterprises, um, that that to me is the mainstay of how our economy continues to grow. Yeah. And so we have to look for, you know, technology modernization that's going to help them grow. And they're, I mean, they're going to be customers for life. They're not going to swap all, if they're, if they're doing payroll through you and they're doing their banking through you, they're never going to, to swap, right? Yeah. It's a sticky um, business if you can do it right. Yeah. <laughs> you do it right. And um, so I think it is an area of growth for most organizations, um, financial organizations. So I think you'll see more of that. I think you'll see shifts back and forth, you know, specific target targeting. The reason that you see these companies jump up and start and target a specific area, like I said, restaurant, female restaurateurs in a certain area of New York is because today, sometimes the big banks and the financial institutions can't reach that market. 
right? Because they don't have the extensibility with their technology to get there, right? And so um, I was working with some, and this is a similar type of, of scenario, but I was working with some folks in Africa and they only have a cell phone. There are no banks to walk into, right? In, in remote areas. And, and so if they couldn't do it via the cell phone, then we're hosed, right? Um, and so, so and it's same, same scenario. There's still people that have um, money in their mattresses, right? Yeah. And so my grandmother died and she had thousands of dollars in her mattress. <laughs> not even know. Uh, it's kind of crazy. But the, the underbanked, uh, is, is real, you know, it's very real. I mean, even here in Austin where I live, I mean, like to see that there's an entire plaza still filled with payday loan, you know, places Mm -hmm. because that's, that's the only way to bank a a large portion of the population. And, and so I, I, yeah, I think that's so important to mention because I think like there's a lot of focus on a lot of these like kind of shiny new, like, Oh, you know, these challenger banks doing X, Y, Z, but like, like what about that unbanked? What about the underbanked? And how like how where is that focus? And I think that could definitely be a growth area for sure. Mm-hmm. And creating that experience that will focus on um, you know, allowing them to get the services they need to to run their businesses, to live their daily life for sure. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess one one last question before we wrap up. So like, I would love to hear what what sort of advice would you give for and, and I guess two scenarios. So one a fintech that's trying to kind of, you know, get in, like start something new, right? Like, and they, maybe they have like really good, um, you know, technical prowess and maybe they have um, some marketing, you know, great marketing ideas and, but maybe they haven't really been too much in the banking space before. Um, what sort of advice would you give to a, a founder like that in, in terms of getting their, their, their business idea off the ground? Yeah, you better learn learn banking, <laughs> especially in North America. Yeah. Um, go sit down with your friendly banker and, and and have them walk you through the process and where you might fit in that process, and and figure out a use case, right? Okay. So, and when I say by use case, figure out you know a, a better together story for that customer, right? If you if you think customer only and focus on the customer and the customer's customer, then you're going to win every time. Um, It's all about really, you know, what are the challenges your customers are having? Okay. How can we help you with that challenge? And then figuring out how your technology might help them do that. Um, That to me is hundred percent key. Don't worry about the competition. Don't worry about anything else. Just worry about the customer and the customer's customer and you'll win every time you know, and, and, and so will they, cause it'll be yeah. success. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's great. Like learn, learn banking. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's so, that's so important. And if, and if you can't do it yourself, hire someone who does. Um, Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but well, um, anything else that you'd like to share with our audience uh, today that uh, has been on your mind or th- trends you've been seeing in the market or anything like that? No, I mean, I think we covered most of them. For me, you know, I think artificial intelligence, now I'm not the one that's going to go shout from the rooftops, it's coming, it's coming. Um, but I mean, we've seen it, but I, I, to me, I find it interesting and intriguing. So I always follow it. Um, uh, I think that's going to be key. And I think that, you know, the regulatory shift, I think you'll see some changes in, in the regs. Um, and I think, you know, we'll all help influence them. I think that that'll happen from the large tech companies, primarily. That's where you see the big shifts. I think that you'll see, you know, like I said, some, some consolidation, not only in the banking sector, but also um, in the fintech sector for sure. And, you know, I think that the organizations, whether they're banks, financial institutions, or like us, you know, fintech partners, I think that uh, as long as we have the eye on the prize and the prize is the customer's success and the customers of the customers, their success, yeah. that, um, that we will continue to proliferate and build 
you know, modernization for generations to come. And I think that's, that's why we're in business, uh, Monboo. That's, uh, we, we call ourselves Monboovians. Um, that's, that's why we're in business and it's not for any other reason. And, and for us, it's a customer first and then, you know, our employees, and then we never worry about our bottom line. Yep. And that's, that's, that's really key for us. So. That's fantastic. I love that. It's a customer first approach. And I think that's the only way you can do it, right? It's otherwise it's not, not going to be working for anyone. And I, and, uh, and I also love that you guys have that, that partner first approach too, where you um, yes. have that composable banking experience. Well, thank you, Joanna. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today and, and uh, delighting our, our listeners with your story and your, your vision. And yeah, we're excited to hopefully launch this in a couple of weeks and get your story out. So thanks again. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. And, and maybe we can do it again in Texas. There you ah, go. I would love that. That'd be great. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Thanks, Kara. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at CurrencyCloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.